0: Don't forget to sign up for the limited time opportunity of 10 days of in-depth coaching for only $20. There's a link posted inside the description of this show giving you more details. Now, back to a regularly scheduled show. This is Fifteen Minutes of Freedom. I'm your host, Ryan Idle, and today, live from the studio, Dan Rosu, owner of State of Mine Apparel. Dan, how you doing, buddy? Good, how you doing? I'm incredible. So to set the tone for this interview, it's much different than most of the interviews that I conduct. Dan not only is in the studio, but Dan's been a friend, I'll say an acquaintance for a few years, mm-hmm. but now a friend certainly for I feel like a year, right? Yeah. I, I'm not really running a stopwatch on it, but we, we connect pretty often. Right, right. And through that connection, there's been this divine orchestration. Dan and I laughingly say, right, a coincidence, but that's never really what it is, where things that I was searching for organically came up in conversation with Dan, and then the ball of yarn just kept getting kind of unraveled. Mm-hmm. Right. So Dan's family owns a local restaurant here. Right. right? One of the to me, the best burgers in Columbus, Ohio. Mm -hmm. So if you're in Columbus, Ohio,
1: ringside cafe,
0: ringside cafe, little, Mm -hmm. little hole in the wall. You're going to have to find some parking. It's not, not the easiest thing to get to, but it is bar none. The best burgers and fries. Yes, absolutely. Own it hands down. We're having a conversation because I started picking around and poking around as you may know, on the path of ayahuasca, right? And I had no idea what Dan had ever done in his life or where things went. Like I knew Dan from state of mind and I knew Dan from ringside and that's about it, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, fitness and some stuff like that, just general acquaintances. And then all of a sudden it was like a bolt of lightning, like, wait, time out. Because you have had multiple experiences with ayahuasca. Yes. And when we say multiple, what's multiple look like for you?
1: Uh, right now I think I'm about 12, if you're counting actual sessions of sitting yeah. with ayahuasca. yeah.
0: And it was so fascinating, right, because at the point in which this first came up for me, there was this preconceived notion that I had that, look, anybody that does ayahuasca, or you know any of these psychedelics, they, they fit this certain box, right? They had mm-hmm. to be what I'll call hippies, they had to be out Hippie, there, they had, right. well, you know what I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, not not a no, business owner, you. right? Yeah. At that point, this was so long ago, this is before I became aware of like the Aubrey Marxes of the world, and mm-hmm. all these people that, Joe Rogan's that are, no, 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 no that's a good right, path right. to go. You're the first business owner that I knew that was just open like, yeah, you know, I, I've done X, Y, and Z, and here's how it worked, and. Mm-hmm. It was just the most fascinating conversation where I think Lindsay and I ended up sitting down yeah, at ringside. Yeah, I don't
1: even know how it came about. Like
0: four times longer than a normal meal would take mm-hmm. at the restaurant. So I would love to unpackage, Dan, a little bit about your path as it pertains to ayahuasca, where you went, what your experiences were, right? And all the on state of mind, and mm-hmm. just all the things you have, right? O- open forum for
1: you. All right. Um... God, I guess I have to go back now. To, I mean, the first time it's so weird because um, once you're in the community with a lot of the people that are, you know, in the medicine community and and people that use ayahuasca, whether it's you know throughout the country or in Peru or whatnot, they um, they tend to say that it almost finds you, like when you're ready to have the experience for it, and. I know it seems kind of like off to where people are like, oh, yeah, you know, like it comes to finding. But once you once you start to realize how everything just is connected in the world and the things you're looking for tend to happen upon you more than you happen upon them, uh, you start to realize that there's more truth to that. So I guess it was just after, you know, being, like you mentioned, in the restaurant business for for so long um, And everything was going good and stuff, you know, I was still doing well, you know, the money's there. But it's like once you get older, you get past your 20s and in your 30s, you know, you start to question more things about life. And, you know, what am I doing? Is this really what's going to make me happy? Do I want to start a family? Do I want to do that? I mean, you're just, you have those questions that start to kind of roll around in your mind. And it was around that time um, that... I kind of started, I don't know really how it came about, whether somebody had mentioned it or, uh, sorry about that, um, whether somebody had mentioned it in, in conversation or or whatnot. Um, but I'd, I just started researching it online. I saw, you know, hey, started looking up different um, retreats, ceremonial retreats, and started getting into that and getting online. And. And it was more of a, oh, I'd really like to do this, you know, but I didn't even, at that point, when when I was going on trips, I hated to fly for once. Um, I've gotten much better since since my travels, but I always booked my flights with my friends because I was like, you know, I don't know if it was this mentality that, you know, if the plane goes down, we're all going down, <laughs> type thing. <laughs> but, uh, which is kind of selfish now that I think about it, but I never wanted to fly alone because I didn't want it to be like all my friends back, were like, oh, shouldn't have took that flight, you know. But um, so that was one thing that I had to overcome, let alone going to a new country and doing it because I wanted to do it the right way. If I was going to do ayahuasca, I didn't want it to be, you know, there's some in Kentucky where you can go in there in somebody's basement. You know, that's not how it was going to be. I want to do it the right way with the shaman. And so that's what I was looking up. And it would probably probably was like six months or so where I just kind of rolled the idea around. And but I think deep down, I never knew I was going to like actually pull the trigger. But then it was uh, shortly after that a couple of friends of mine, one of them that I'd work with in the bar business, uh, that was a good friend of mine for a while, I'd, you know, we had lost touch, but he had some issues with alcohol and ended up um, having some problems and ended up having organ f- failure and he passed away. And I think it was after going to his funeral, he was only a year older than me, I think I was 37 at the time and he was 38. And that's when it really hits you, it's like shit, like this this could happen anytime to me, you know, whether it's this, and I know he had some issues and stuff, but I came up through the same business he did, you know what I mean? And I still had my own issues with alcohol I was dealing with. And it was that, and then a month later, another friend, same business we had worked together who was a a bar back of mine, um, relapsed, and it was heroin, from what I understand, but... And then I was at his funeral, and then it was kind of just sitting there, and that that's when it really, you know, that was the jolt it took. Not to say anything good comes from a friend of yours passing away or anything like that, but it was definitely something that shook me up to where it was like, I called my brother. I was like, I'm doing this trip. This is happening. I'm going. You know, I found a place that I wanted, and, and for it to work out with the restaurant, I had to pretty much pulled the trigger early and it was in may that i did it and i was like screw it i booked the flights and i went and i just did it and i think that had that not happened with my two friends uh i probably would have never done it so i'm grateful that i i mean i you know what i'm saying well that that to me is i
0: don't say the craziest part right but the stereotypical view of death would be it's horrible yeah Mm -hmm. but the passing of miles you know my right, best friend was yeah the biggest catalyst for change that I've had in my life really so far. Like, it was the biggest blessing. It was the biggest push yes, on the back. It yeah. was the biggest, it's time to go and run. Mm-hmm. And then to even take steps back from the way that I believe you and I would look at the world, like Miles had to come into my life to teach me lessons while I was here and then also right. had to die to push me to the next place. Mm-hmm. It's like, did I actually create that at some, some conscious level? Right, like, right. Where where did those dominoes fall? To get to right now, right? Right, right. You'd known both these people for a long time. It wasn't oh, like, yeah. yeah, right? Like,
1: most of my adult life through my 20s, and, and we had lost touch later, you know, once we moved to other bars. But
0: yeah, it's fascinating to me, especially because the plant. I mean, I'm a, a firm mm-hmm. believer, right? I've been on this journey with researching and having a toe in and toe out with ayahuasca for. Two plus years, mm-hmm. it might even be three, and it comes hot and heavy. Like I'm gonna go do it. I'm gonna go do it, and I do the research. Right, I find the place in Peru. I find the shamans. Like another place in Costa Rica pops up. There's right. places in LA. Well, not LA, right, California. There's a place in Pennsylvania. It's mm-hmm. like there's all these places. It's like there's always this reason. It's like I'm hot and heavy, and then eh, the timing doesn't line up. Right, or and it's like because it's never the right
1: time, right? No, it's, it's never, never the, the right perfect
0: th- time until it becomes literally that. In my opinion. Just the perfect time, mm-hmm. right? and I've shared on other shows how Rhythmia has come to my life. And Lindsay and I are on the precipice of heading down there, and what that means inside of Costa Rica. But I just I felt compelled to pause and, and stop you from that. You know, these friends of a long time that you lost touch with, they come back in on the backside of you doing research on plant based medicine, that then become the catalyst for the change. Right, right. And so you, you went to Peru. for your Yeah, first I ended experience.
1: up going to uh, Peru. And the place I went to, which is uh I guess I can say it on here, it doesn't matter it's it's all legit down there, but it's uh it's called Kayashobo, and they were the one uh place that was actually endorsed by the Shipibo tribe, which I found out from my most recent uh venture last November um that was more local um, that they were kind of um more modernized version where you could tell they had they'd excelled to where the music was different that they play i mean i don't know if you had gone over the the whole ceremony and how it works no um, love you love you to share oh, geez uh i don't even know where to start so everything's kind of arranged in what they called in um we'll start with peru is a maloca which is a round shaped structure and it's huge it's very big you know usually built with whatever you know wooden Uh, depending on the place but uh, it's all shaped in a circle and there's usually you know kind of a centerpiece or something where we had you know these nice carvings and stuff of these different figures and animals and serpents and whatever they would have you know some of these artists and then you would sit in a circle around there and everybody would have their own little space and your mat and your bucket your purge bucket and then people would just be lined up and the the thought behind it is that everyone's it's all an energy circle. So everything kind of just works together. So when you're in there and you're working through your stuff, it's not just you. You start to realize that once you have the experiences, it's not just you. You're 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 sharing experiences with the rest like you it's it's definitely a collective energy purge that i felt before
0: and it's feet towards the center or head towards the center
1: uh feet towards the center they said and i've had you know i talked to people while we were there they had their own you know uh even this last time he's like i try and stay up as much as possible you know um in a lotus position or if you can get in a lotus position but you know indian style mm-hmm. um because the same as meditation is, you know, the point is your spine is straight, the chakras are all lined up and your crown is, you know, and the energy kind of comes through there. So, and that's easy to say until you're, you know, two hours into an ayahuasca, you know, psychedelic experience and you're having all these crazy, you know. So, yeah, try as, as you might. And I did the last time and it was, it was yeah, it was different. I tried as, as hard as I could, but yeah, in Peru, yeah, it was just all laying on my back all over the place You're, you're you know so uh i forget where i was going with that um yeah. how it said oh, oh the differences in in the ceremonies with shipibo that's it's the actual shaman i guess this is the most traditional style where he goes around and he's got uh he sings icaros which are um these ancient songs they'd kind of come up with that have been passed down from generations from the last 2,000 years or or whatnot and uh he goes from person to person when he starts first he blesses the ayahuasca the the ceremony starts off um at 8 p.m and this is at the place I was at um I guess I should start off at the beginning you know we all kind of came up had our own little areas there's different um places that we had set up to where we had uh, like our rooms, they were almost like um, adobo type structures, I guess. There was no heat, no, you know, it was, you're in the middle of the Amazon jungle. It's not like, you know, um, there was no massage clinic down the road or Starbucks or anything like that. It was pretty primitive. We had electricity from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. And then again from uh, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. So if you wanted to charge your phone or get on line to try and connect to the Wi-Fi to maybe send one picture through Instagram, then you would have that opportunity, but it was pretty slow going. But uh, we usually fasted all day. We would eat breakfast on the days that we had ceremony, and what I found out recently uh, from some of the other, you know, these, um, this other organization, I would, guess I would say where we had two ceremonies, it was a a five-day retreat and two ceremonies. And when I told them what we did in Peru they were pretty surprised where we had it was an 11 day retreat and we did it every day but wednesday and sunday so you got to think every night for a good six hours you're pretty much out of your mind mm-hmm. um so we would have breakfast lunch and then after lunch you wouldn't eat at all until came ceremony time and then what you would want to do is kind of sit meditate set an intention which i found out was uh after all the experiences definitely had a, a an impact on the experience is setting an intention. Cause it took me right where I wanted to go, right what I was asking as far as your question, what you need, you know what I mean? Or you could just say, hey, teach me what I need to know type thing. Mm-hmm. And um, But yeah, so then we'd sit there, lights would go out, you'd know when we lined up, when it was ready because lights would click off outside the Maloka and the entire compound. And um, we'd sit, they'd bless the the ayahuasca, the the brew that they had. And I think the, whatever we had at the time was an eight-year-old vine that it came from. It was very strong. Um, and he'd go through the process, very kind of spiritual and similar to what you would see in, I guess, uh, organized some organized religions, you know, as far as the, whether or not how much effect it has on it or if it's tradition, you know, who's who's to say, but... Uh, they would go through that, and then we would sit at our own area, and then they would call us up one by one, starting, you know, with one person, and they would just go around. One person would go drink, and then um, they gave us a uh, tester kind of um, sample just to see, because not everybody reacts the same, you know, to a certain dose. Same as any psychedelic, you know, it doesn't. It doesn't even matter by body weight. Some people are just more. Um, I don't know, susceptible to, to, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, so the first night was pretty, pretty mild, you know, it wasn't, I didn't get a lot from it, but, um, the fact that we're doing it nine more times, you know, it's like, okay, well we can just kind of ease into it. So it was fine. And, um, now when you
0: say you didn't get much from it, was there any sort of, Yeah, I mean, there was definitely,
1: there was a little bit of an effect, almost like kind of just a mild body tingling buzz type thing, you know what I mean? Um, But I guess it depends on, you know, I have a background, I've, you know, um, I've tried my fair share of (laughs) different, you know, um, recreational drugs and stuff, so Mm -hmm. I don't know if that had an effect of of knowing what, you know, but... um, yeah, pretty mild for me, but there was, you know, there was one girl from uh, Germany. We had a pretty wide range of people there, a girl from Germany, uh, Germany who was very, uh, her tolerance or whatever too was low, but she, I mean, she went through the full experience, I'm pretty sure, off like the, the mini dose they gave us. So I'm pretty sure they stuck with her uh, for that for a while. And then um, the two guys that I became friends with from Latvia, um, uh, they were really good guys. And I was close to them since I, you know, I have Eastern European background, and um, but they had their own experiences with with psychedelics, mushrooms, you know, psilocybin, same way. So we kind of talked about what we thought in comparison to that, you know. Um, so they they would tend to take a little bit more too, you know. And I asked for for more. You can go back up. You can always ask for a second dose, which I found out one one of the experiences was a was a terrible idea at the time um
0: more is not always better
1: no no and it did i mean and that's what they say is you get up when you, it's it's all in your mindset i mean when i was younger and i would take you know because i i tried lsd when i was i think 16 17 you know and that we were kids had no idea what we were taking you know to me it was super hardcore drug and for a 16 year old that's quite a bit mm-hmm. but i wasn't in the in the mindset to where you know when something bad happened or if we did something and it was going down, you know, even in my 20s, having, you know, experiences with with um, mushrooms, it was the same way. Oh, it was a bad trip. But then once you start to get older and start to respect it as medicine more, you start to realize that, yeah, there's some euphoric times with it and some good experiences, but it also can go downhill quickly too. you. know what I mean, mm-hmm. but. That's part, of, um, that's part of the process, and there's always healing in that too. And from what I've learned through not even just psychedelics, a lot of the speakers, uh, like Kyle Cease, the one that I uh, go to see that I'm going to his retreat in California soon, um, he talks about feeling through things. It's, it's getting emotions out of you. So people suppress a lot of stuff. And I think that's what a lot of the problem is with PTSD, with relationships, with death, with everything. We're supposed to feel it. And his line that was very profound to me was, um, we're, not, we're not here to feel happy. We're here to feel fully. Mm-hmm. And we have to. There's no just feeling happy all the time. You know, there's all these books on happiness and everything. We have to go through the entire spectrum of feelings because that's what makes us who we are. You know, I mean, we have to go through, it. and and it's perspective too. Without without sadness, you'll never have happiness. You know, I mean, and I don't think people realize that.
0: Well, and I I love that because it's like this cosmic or karmic balance or okay. reset, right? Let's imagine there's six, eight, ten months. Maybe it's ten years of just consistent what feels like happiness. Then all of a sudden, you need recalibrated, right? Mm-hmm. So there's this little period of. Loss or sadness or lack, because without that, how would you fully realize just how great the past 10 years yeah. were or what you're capable of growing into after that pain? But most of us lean away from that pain of sadness, right? Mm-hmm. The pain of frustration and hurt. And I love Kyle's work, right? It's yeah. somebody I haven't shared much on the podcast with, but he's he's phenomenal. Right? Yeah. And I don't. But yeah, continue.
1: No, no. And they're in the same. And it's just it's that. That knowing of, and it's part of the reason I like Ohio, like, you know, sometimes the winters suck and whatever, but I could almost guarantee I enjoy when spring tums, springtime comes more than somebody that's in Miami. Mm-hmm. Because it's just what it is to them, you know what I mean? And I used this analogy with somebody, one of my friends the other day, it's like, cause I had some back pain I was, I was dealing with and I had some shooting spasms and stuff. And it brought me down to like the kitchen floor where I was incapacitated. And it was so painful, but I remember having these thoughts in my head. I mean, it was almost hit points of, of like, borderline euphoria of just how bad it hurt to where it just took me to a different place. Almost like Ram Dass talks about how the pain brought him grace, like it brought him closer to God. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to, like, sensationalize it too much, but it was pretty painful. And it got me to that point, and it also made me realize... I was like, man, what I'd give just to be able to get up and walk and go down and be with my neighbors and just walk outside right now to where yesterday I couldn't give a shit less. I could be outside having to walk next to the dog and and I'd be inside my head worried about my problems. You know what I mean? To where now I have more of an appreciation like just now, even every day the last couple of weeks, the fact that my back's been better. You know what I mean, it makes me appreciate life more. Same as when you're sick and you can't breathe out of your nose any other time when you can breathe. You know what I mean? You don't we take it for granted. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, you know I mean it feels great. Yeah. And you sit there when you're sick and your nose is clogged up and you can't breathe for shit. You have to breathe out of your mouth, which is terrible and you're trying to go to bed and it's like, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And you need that to to make you appreciate, you know. Mm-hmm. And the analogy I use with my friends is like you could be put on like that's how people don't know all the money in the world can't do everything. You know what I mean? Like people think, oh if I just have this much money and 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 you know if you win $6 million and it's like, yeah, I'm going to move to Mexico and you be on the beach and there's unicorns going around and you're just hanging out and all your friends are there and there's constant, you know, if you love tacos, you eat tacos every day. In two weeks, you're going to be fucking sick of it. You know what yeah. I mean? You're going to go insane. You can't just, hey, happy, 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 your smiles. You know what I mean? You have to have that up and down. Yep. So, not to get too far off topic, but that's the way I look at it. And I've been taught a lot of that through uh, the medicine ceremonies sitting in with people and it was this most recent one. I remember sitting there and it was like, it was great, I hit these, you know, you have these euphoric moments, lots of realization that comes through and, you know, things that I couldn't even describe on camera unless you actually had the moment, you know, of of the knowledge and, and endless, like, you're very humbled by the experience. It's just like you realize how much you don't know. But then as soon as she stopped singing like some of the hymns in Icaros uh, you could tell the negative energy start to creep in and it's can get pretty scary and you have to sit through it and it's sitting there. And I remember that was the most I had felt that I I had kind of taken a next level approach to, okay, I can sit with this. I can do this. I'm not going to attach myself to the pain and say, this is terrible. What's happening? Shit, I'm having a bad trip. Oh, no, I took too much, which is constantly what went through my head and some of the experiences in Peru, and you just sit with it, knew that this is just what has to happen. There's something coming out of me. There's these emotions that are in here, and, and I've even heard stories of, of it being energy that's locked in you from, from ancestral, you know, uh, uh, things from your forefathers and whatever it could be. Like, who knows where this stuff's coming from? Mm-hmm. But whatever it is, you have to kind of just sit with it and let it go, and Kyle Cease talks about that. When you meditate, some rough stuff comes up. You'll have to cry. I think that's why guys are so screwed up is all this uh, stigma of, you know, we can't cry because we're not manly. And we don't let it out. And shit causes problems, right? So, but when you're there, I mean, it'll come out when you're having this experience. Yeah. The laughing, the crying, that it's. And I remember sitting there and everyone's, it hit this moment where you could tell where I could feel it creeping in, where it was very like this negative energy, right when she stopped kind of singing her hymns. And it was almost like, okay, she finished and let it out. And everyone collectively grabbed their buckets and people were throwing up and, and very loud. People were crying, you know, and it's, um, I personally don't purge threw that in so it's i'm not big on throwing up so it's it's i'm one of the few people i guess i don't know everyone's different but i'd say like 80 90 percent of the people definitely purge and throw up
0: so during that purging process right you're under the influence of the medicine mm-hmm. you're lucid enough but also conscientious enough to realize right you open your eyes and you're you can physically see people vomiting yes right yeah. like it's not like you're you know, blasting off into space somewhere. And although you're laying back on the mat and, you know, all is well in the world, mm-hmm. you hear the vomit, you sit up, you look and you say, oh, that's, that's John purging. Mm-hmm. It's it very, very clear and apparent. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: It is. You're still, I mean, you're, um, you're still, most of any of the visual that I get is mostly in, in my mind's eye, third eye, almost like a projector screen. So that's why, and I'd get a lot of geometric type, excuse me. Shapes and things like that and other people see serpents and animals and clear images it's everyone's different Mm -hmm. but um but yeah when you open up your eye it's definitely different the shades are different the things are you know I mean and it depends on the dose I mean there was um at that time it was very clear to me but there was the one in Peru where I had taken that double dose um type thing uh, I don't know if you want.
0: Go ahead. Yeah, I would love to go back to right. We we covered episode one, dose one in Peru, right? Okay. The small. Yeah, wasn't I guess enough.
1: I could go through. Them. I wish I had. I had a notebook. I journaled after every. Um, yeah, at least experience. The, at least
0: the first time where you really felt it, mm-hmm. right? I don't know if that was night two or three yeah. or four or when I it came. I think it but.
1: was the. S- I believe it was either the second or the third night. I think it was the second. And. Um, And I did want to add, if anybody's would be hearing this or listening that thinks, oh, this is crazy. It's how these people are doing this just to go get fucked up or whatever it is. Like in preparation for this was was no. And I'm sure you've done the research. There's no alcohol, no sex. No. I mean, this is these are all the things that can mess with the spirit energy or the healing power of it. You have to cleanse yourself completely, including the um, asusena which is a horrible pre-experience that we have to purge, that we take before. Uh, luckily, it's only one time. It's this plant medicine that they kind of clean up, and you just drink gallons of, of warm water in 85-degree, 90-degree heat in the jungle until you throw up, and it's terrible. But, um, but in preparation, yeah, no, no sex, no alcohol, no marijuana, no other psychedelics, no salt, no sugar, no caffeine— I mean, there was some that even said no avocados. I was like, you guys are absolutely insane. Uh, no meat, no dairy, which is fine for me. I don't, you know. Um, but it's absolutely treated as a medicine. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not at all recreational. Nobody should think they go down there and be like, oh, this is great. And you can have very euphoric, great experiences and realizations, and, but you can have some pretty terrible ones too. But um, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. So as we're there, yeah, we're just kind of sitting there and I, I started to get a lot of sense in later experiences that that it was a form of um uh, almost like a like a clinic, mm-hmm. like for people to to clear their stuff because of the people we went through our stories and shared what issues we had, and everyone had some pretty, you know, um some hardcore issues. And even me, I went down more for um, curiosity but then I started to realize that I was drawn into it because of my problems with alcohol mm-hmm. which you know I wasn't getting up in the morning and you know grabbing the bottle of vodka like like uh what's his name and leaving Las Vegas or whatever but um but it was five six night. you know the days I wasn't drinking I was at home just having oh I, I didn't drink last night I only had five beers just watching tv you know yeah and I realized the the problems that caused on my memories. My memory was real bad. I never remembered my dreams and that was one of the things I brought up and and I started to realize, hey, maybe I do need some healing here. So but yeah, to move on, it was the second experience and I asked them, you know, could I have a little bit more? I was a little weak the first time. And they said, Yeah. And you go up there with the shaman and they pour and she had the oddly enough, they used a shot glass, like a full on shot glass. And I even suggested to him to actually use a different glass because it's so uh, – um it's like an optical illusion with shot glasses because they're so bottom heavy and they fill them with glass that if you fill it up three-quarters of the way and flip it over with your hand up, it it's the same amount as it is at the top mm-hmm. from the – if you know what I mean. Yep. But um either way, they put more in for me, and it definitely worked. And that was probably – when I got into it, it was – um similar to like a mushroom trip at first, but I could tell it was bringing me down to other levels as soon as I got into it, you know, and you have these insights coming through that are not necessarily verbal or visual, but it's just, it speaks to you in a way that you couldn't describe. That's how you know that there's different planes of consciousness and reality out there that we can't understand because you don't know until you're there, until you're in the experience. And, but I, I ended up, you know, seeing a lot of the geometric kind of shapes and images and things. And I got drawn into this, I guess you could call it a room or an area and and this huge structure came up and this feeling just came across me where I had this flush feeling that everything dropped down, that I felt like I was home, that I had, that this was somewhere I had been before, that here I am, I'm back. And and it reminded me of, um, Ram Das talking about that when he was talking with Maharaji about, um. Uh, when he was guessing about his mom um, passing away and the problems and the issues she had and uh, you'd have to read the book to get into that but he said the, the best way I can describe it is I felt like I was home and that's the feeling I got and then it went on from there to where I was almost having a conversation telepathically with this person that I somehow realized was myself like a higher version of myself And the, reali- the reason I realized that was because it every question that was answered was in kind of a smart ass uh you know what I mean verbiage like 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 you know what you're doing. You know that everything's fine, you're on the right path, you're doing what you need to do. And um it was a lot of reassurance. And some other things ca- came up that I can't exactly remember, but it was just like, oh my God, that was great And it was like just what I needed, you know, it was it was to wonder what was going on in my life, if I'm doing the right things, if this is what I'm supposed to be. And um, this was before starting the apparel company and everything, so I had thoughts of doing that. And, you know, so it was a lot of reassurance of of going down the right path. And there was some some hinting towards me ending up wanting to help people in some way or another and not know how, but to know that eventually I would get along a path where I was... Helping some people in some way, however, it was. But uh, it was a really good experience. And then, and you think, you're like, oh, well, that was it. I mean, what else could I get? It was such a great experience. You know, I'm like, what could possibly come this next time? And um, I guess the third experience all moved into third or fourth. I believe the third was a little bit kind of more mild. But the one that was really profound was when I had. Um, I had eaten something. I was really hungry, and we're supposed to fast throughout the day. And I remember I was like, I asked them, do you think it would be all right to have an apple? And they're like, yeah, it should be all right. You know, you don't want to drink too much water before it. And But I did, and we had drank, and, and I took it, and it didn't hit me right away. So immediately I was inside my head, and that's been one of my problems, the monkey mind, you know, what's wrong, what happened? And, and I was like, did I drink too much water? Did I – shouldn't he eat the apple and it was constantly that well the intention that i had set was to um to cure this this monkey mind this this constant incessant thinking of judging of what's going on why did i do this oh i shouldn't have done that or you know what i mean that i feel like a lot of people have an issue with as well but that was my intention that i'd set. And not even realizing, you know, as I'm going on and on and on inside my head, it's like, oh, this is gonna kick again. Should I take more? Is this bad you know, and it was like an hour and a half into it. And then all of a sudden I get this same kind of rush and everything just drops and my brain was completely clear and I wasn't there was no thoughts going through my head. And it was it was like it was like there was this fuzziness that it's been across my my mind since I was since I can remember that was just wiped away like windshield wipers and just gone. And it was complete bliss for two hours. And I even, um, I didn't even care about the shaman singing as zikaros at the time. I got up to go to the bathroom and, um, and mind you, when you go outside the malokas a good 50 yards away from the bathrooms. They had running waters in the outdoor bathrooms, but you have to carry a flashlight to look out for snakes and stuff that are going across the path. So, and I'm walking there and, and, at this point, I mean, even using the bathroom is blissful. You know what I mean? Like, it's incredible. And that's it's. That's the cool thing about it is you enjoy everything you're doing. You know what I mean, and, uh, and the purge in that sense is even enjoyable. You can feel that things are like, you know. So I won't get too descriptive about it. But but when I came outside, I remember I just sat there and I looked up at the stars. And it was, you know, there's no light, no electricity there. So you're about as clear seeing the star to where you can see the stardust and everything, you know, and no clouds in the sky. And it was incredible. And I remember there would be moments where something would try and creep in, where it was starting to kind of, uh, I don't I don't want to say assess the but comment on it, like the mental thoughts, like, oh, my God, oh, what if the And as soon as I did, it would start to get fuzzy again. But I was able to clear it out. And uh it was incredible. Like I don't even know how to describe. Like it's I guess that would be the point of that would be like what Buddhists would refer to as samadhi, just being one with everything and appreciative of just the trees and and I believe that maybe the same time when I came out they kind of run together but I had had my flashlight out when I was walking back. There's, you know, a bunch of trees all around you. And I remember looking up and when I turned off my flash, or I had my flashlight off and I looked up and I could see light emitting from the trunks of the trees. So it wasn't, and I remember saying, you know, cause you're on a psychedelic and you think, I'm just seeing this thing, you know? But once you start to realize that it's more, not so much something being added to your vision, a veil like you have heard that is dropped down that you were able to see it's something that was blocked before that you're now able to see because this wasn't the moonlight that was coming from you know i mean this is from my vantage point i could see outlines of trees and i didn't need my flashlight to walk back in pitch black and it was incredible i, I couldn't yeah hard to hard to describe like like you feel i mean i felt like a superhero yeah and it's
0: one of the things that I touch base on a, a little bit, Dan, with people considering going on this path. If you start looking at EEGs and, and brain activity and things like that, it really reaffirms my thought process of that we need to slow down to speed up. Because mm-hmm. right? our brains are actually processing less rapidly, right? Taking a psychedelic, right? We have this thing of, like, you see the geometric shapes, or you feel right, so connected, right. or you mm-hmm. see the light from the tree, and all those are beautiful gifts, but you're actually – it's like how much of that monkey mind, how much of that necessity to keep ourselves safe and hyperanalyze everything, when you actually slow it down the, with the assistance of a plant, Yeah. it's, it's like all of a sudden well, this stuff might always be there all the time. We just are too sped right. up. It's like, we're, it's like if you're driving on the highway and you're driving 100 miles an hour, you can't see the tree line, right? Unless you look way out in the distance, mm-hmm. you kind of see it. If you look out the window to the right, it's just a blur. It's like our whole lives might just be blurs where that veil is always there because we're running too damn fast, right? And this forces you for a six-hour window
1: mm-hmm.
0: just to be like, "All right, I'm just I'm here for the ride. I'm going to just take it all in. I'm going to slow down a little bit." It's it's really incredible. Yeah, is there the diuretic? And I I couldn't say diuretic, right? But on different mushroom experiences that I've went through, uh-huh. it feels like uh, the necessity to use the restroom is higher for me than normal. Now, Grant, yeah. I, I drink a lot of water, so However you look at that, and I find it to be very fascinating how much control the mind really has, right? I go twice, and mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I, I don't have to ever go again, right? It's the body's – reef it's, it's like trying to keep me out of that little zone where I just – like you said, you can – I can turn it off. Yeah. Right? You realize how much control your mind really has. How much of that goes on with ayahuasca? Is it a different sensation? Is it – you know? are you consistently – are people always getting up and – and down to use a restroom, or is it
1: not yeah, really like that? Yeah, more so me, because everyone else is purging, like, throwing up, and yep. I've yet to throw, besides the Asusena purging experience, kind of cleaning out before the week. um, I did, but mine was more fear of, and this is one that, once again, being inside my head, every time I had to, like... Because you see the things online when you read up on it. everything There's all kinds of neg- negative publicity. My brother sent me an article about man was found dead, you know, after taking ayahuasca. I'm like, great, that's the one person out of hundreds of thousands that have tried it now, you know what I mean? But, um, but the main thing is, is people, because l- people look for sensationalism in the news and everything, was shitting herself. Mm-hmm. That's alright, but um, yeah. and that was my fear after seeing that. I was like, ah, because I didn't throw up and that was my way of purging is, you know, I would go through the experience and I'd go out to the to the restroom and that's how everything was you know but yeah and I think it's more of a once you get on an energetic kind of mindset of how everything works and I don't know how I could say this without getting too deep but um that everything that we do is energy. You know, you've heard that everything's energy and everything that we work and that we could be manifestations of this energy of everything. So if you looked at this on a different plane, we could just be balls of light of these energy sources and something is energetically wrong that needs to be let go. Mm-hmm. And on that plane, it's coming off as this like burst of energy, like a star would be or a, a sun flare or anything like that. But yet, for it to manifest in ourselves as a representation of that would be me going to the bathroom. To think of, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether or not it's coming out the the bottom or the top or whatever, it's a it's a purging mechanism, and it's it's almost like a a metaphor in some way or, or a representation of you releasing these negative emotions because people went through it. You could feel it. You could feel it bubbling up. It's almost like it. When I got a sense in 4th, 5th, I can't even remember which one, it was almost like I was in this area. And it didn't feel blissful, but it didn't feel bad. And it was just like I was sitting there and just letting it work on me. And it's like it shakes everything up that's up there. The, I described it to them in that, uh, the documentary they were going to do. And was almost like um, a hard drive on a computer, like a file allocation table i remember learning from when i was in computers back in high school everything gets put on the disk in different areas and then at some point to make it run more smoothly it would have to get rearranged and put back in order the way it was supposed to so that way it's easier to find these certain files and that's what it felt like like i was defragging my brain like everything was just being put back in order like things were in disarray but uh that or you could look at it as everything was just kind of getting shaken up and then you got to just kind of skim the the stuff off the top mm-hmm. you know like to get all the shit out and then and it definitely I, however you want to look at it it was it's you can see it as a healing experience so that's why once you accept it even the negative times once you sit with it and you're like okay here comes the bad stuff if you don't look at it as this is a bad trip i shouldn't have done this i took too much just realize that things are coming up then because nobody who's taken it even the one guy uh uh Rivas from the one of the latvian brothers he was i remember i asked him and every the poor guy they had a lot of you know some issues they were dealing with but i was like so what was yours like you know and i had like a blissful you know pretty good experience thinking about things and these realizations he was like oh it was lots of uh, uh black death and like blood and uh just and i'm just like oh my god this poor guy um but he felt great afterwards, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Regardless of how bad it was, it was something that needed to be released. And it was like Kyle talks about in the meditation stuff, and I think we can do that on a small level through meditation, to to let things come up, to sit with it, to sit in that space and just let it come up, not judge, to not, you know. And I think it needs to happen, but this is more on a I guess larger scale, more of a hardcore, you know what I mean? Yeah. Purge to where it's it can be difficult, but it can also have a lot of intense benefits. And even she, uh, one of the owners of the retreat, told me she said, "You know what?" And I've come because they had um, there was four owners. there were two couples, and two of them got in an argument over whether or not. Because I asked them if I could take more, and they were like, "One of them was like, I don't think he should." Because he said, "I mean, he had an experience. We had to chase somebody down in the middle of the jungle who like took all his clothes off and ran off." So. This doesn't happen to everybody, but everyone's different, and everyone reacts to things differently. And if you let your mind take hold of you, things like that can happen, you know? But, and he he didn't want to scare me in a story, but he's like, things can happen, you can shit yourself, you take too much, you can do this, that, you know? But then she was telling me, she was like, you know what? I've come many times to the point where I literally thought, uh, which I had similar experience to later on, but, she said I had come to points to where I thought I was dying, that this was it, and this was my experience. I thought I was just whatever. I had taken too much, and she said I thought I was I was dead, and she said some of the, my, my best healing has come from that. So the deeper you go, the harder it is, the more benefit, and it's just peeling the layers off, mm-hmm. the layers of the onion, as they say. But uh, – and I did end up – I did end up taking um, more I think that was one of the later nights and that was when we had a couple of the guys from the AJ Plus crew that was going to do the documentary and that never still hasn't come about so I don't know what they did with that but they had given him he had sat with us the guy who was doing the special and he had uh, taken a little bit of it and they gave him a smaller dose same as all the rest of us you know at the beginning, um, or the first day and he wanted more and he went up to ask for more. And this was a time where it hadn't hit me. It had been an hour and a half and I was like, okay, I think I just need more. Cause I did, I'm, I didn't have really much of any effect. And I remember he went up to take more and then I went up and they gave me another dose and I thought they were going to give me, you know maybe a quarter or a third more or something like that and they give me pretty much a full other dose so I doubled up on what I had earlier and I ended up going to the bathroom to do my thing and uh, I got in a habit by the way of initially going right there to to pee or whatever I had to do right after I would take a dose it was just my little because you don't want to be super deep into it and getting to a point where you're like, you know, because it gets deep enough to where if you would open your eyes, yeah, things are going to be distorted and, you mm-hmm. know, and you don't want to have to go to the bathroom at that point. You want to be completely clear out as much as possible. So I went to the bathroom and I'm coming out and I heard another door open up next to me and there's a line of four doors and and he comes out of the bathroom and his head, you know, this was that ha- half hour after or 20 minutes after we had both taken our second dose. And he was he was like, this is incredible. He's like, what time is it? And I said, it's 930. Or I was like nine thirty, nine forty-five. 945. He's like, I thought it was 3am. Like he completely lost the last five hours of his, he was that deep into it. So you definitely lose track or can lose a track of uh, time and space in relation to how you look at it, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, this second dose had hit me it was right after I had taken it, I started to feel the effects, and I knew that was impossible for me to just drink it and feel the effects, which could mean either of two things, this thing immediately went into my bloodstream somehow through my stomach instantaneously, or the first dose was just now starting to hit me and it was delayed, which means I had to wait for the second dose to also stack on top of it, and so there was a little bit of worry there. And, uh, and it definitely came through and that, that was one of my most difficult experiences to where it was good for a while. And then I just, I started to feel, you know, as much as I thought I had control of the situation and you think you do and you think, oh, I got this. Cause you have one experience and you're like, I made it through. All right. I'm good. I can handle this, you know? And it, it will, I mean, it's farther than, than pain or, or, you know, I mean, it's not like being a tough guy and. When it comes to mental toughness, if you really want to test yourself, it's through this experience. I don't think there's a person on the planet that couldn't be humbled Mm -hmm. or made to cry and completely break down. And it took me to a level to where you talk about like incessant thinking and, and over judging things and stuff like that to where I think the breaking point was when I started to get to the point where it was, it was good and I was getting some realizations, but it was coming too fast to where it was taking me deeper and deeper to levels to where I think one of the last things I saw was the kind of the, it was showing me how everything is connected in time and space and how um, uh, the Taurus field type thing. I think I saw uh, the endless staircase painting. I got an image of that in my mind, how everything is just kind of repetitive, infinity, Taurus symbol, everything's folding in and out of itself, happening at once I mean I couldn't even I lost it all after that I was I was stuck in a place to where it was I was trying to grasp where I was what I was doing and it was constantly like I couldn't form a thought I couldn't and I don't know if it was just at the point of me to where I could have blasted off into that space that you would be with like a DMT trip or something like that and I was grasping on a reality and I think that was more the case But I pretty much went absolutely insane for a few hours. And I lost track of time and space to where I didn't. I think the scariest part was when the second dose started coming on strong. And because everything finishes up around 2, 3, 4 a.m., where the shaman comes around and he checks on everybody. And I could tell he stopped singing the Icaros. And there were times, because there'd be breaks in between where he'd go and maybe it'd be five minutes he'd take a, bre- a break. I mean the guy is singing these these Icaros for five hours straight, you know? Mm-hmm. But I'd hear the break and I'm I'd think, is that it? Is he done? And I couldn't I couldn't tell because I, I had no I had no concept of of how much time had passed. And it did come to that point where I knew it was done and I could hear people moving around. And I was just entering my like so that was the scariest people were it wasn't like this most recent area where they stay and everybody makes sure everyone's good until they're done with the experience like here people just got up and left they went back to the community and they'd go talk about their experiences and i remember the shaman coming back and and i opened my eyes and i saw that the farthest person that was you know maybe 30 40 feet across from the maloca looked more like two or 300 feet away like it had i was distorted in all sorts Mm -hmm. and he came by and he was flicking his lighter he would do that because there's no light and he would check on you. And I remember he'd go by and he'd flick his Bic, literally. And so he could see you through the flashes. And, he, you know, está bien? Está bien? And I remember him coming by to me. Está bien? I was like, no. No, <laughs> no soy bien. No está bien. Estoy muy loco. I was like, I, I couldn't even get words out, obviously. But I was like, please don't leave me. Mm-hmm. But he just kept walking by. So I'm just mm-hmm. kind of stuck there by myself. And I just had to sit through it and it was for another hour or so and i think the best moment was when i started to realize it was wearing off and i remember hearing my two buddies the guys from Latvia i heard one of them and i could hear snickering and i thought they were laughing but it was still so jumbled up to where i couldn't tell if it was them laughing or if it was crying cuz you're still a lot of things sound alike you i mean So I started like trying to zone, and it took me maybe 25 minutes before I got up the courage. Um, And it could have been three minutes for all I knew. So I got up the courage to get up and go talk to him. So I finally I was like, "Fuck it! I need some like I needed a human like reassurance from somebody." And I walked over there, and and luckily they were sitting there, and they had their little lighter on, and they were just talking about their experience. And I remember looking at them, and their faces were completely gray, like they were. It was much better than it had been from what I was seeing, but. Um, all said and done, any other time I would look at it it as the worst psychedelic experience I've ever had in my life, but it took me to a level of crazy. I will never be able to explain to anybody the things that went through my head, but I feel stronger for it. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like I needed to have that because that was, that's probably my biggest fear, even aside from death. Like, I would probably rather die than be stuck in that crazy mode for the rest of my, I mean, and that was probably something that I had to be taken to, to, to get through, to know, Hey, I did this. I sat through it. It was hours long and it was a fear, fear of separation from people, fear of connecting with other people to have control over my own mind, to have my sanity. And I went through it and I was, so yeah, that was, that was probably the most intense.
0: What I find so interesting, Dan, to date. I look at the construct of time as obviously man-made. Mm-hmm. Right? And we needed that for whatever the terms would be. Obviously, I know there's a lot of benefits of time. I'm not I'm not bastardizing the thought of time. Yeah. But underneath the influence of plant, right? Whether again, my side has been mushrooms. I only know what I know from what I've been through. I've no right, idea what right. ayahuasca is yet like yet, but I will very shortly. Mm-hmm. Right? Or something in the for you? Yeah, so my. <laughs> but or something like ayahuasca. It's like time just disappears, right? I remember the first, second time I experienced mushrooms, and it's like, I sat up, I'm like, how in the world has this only been right, an hour and 12 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. I'm making up a time, right? It takes 45 minutes or so to, to start warming up and kicking in, and you know, I'm laying down and trying something different, and right, it was a float tank, right? Oh, I, yeah. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. doing something in, in a, a float tank type of environment, and just, man, I, I know mathematically I booked the float tank for three hours. So I have some idea of how long I should right, be right, here for, yeah. but it's like sit in the tank. Then all of a sudden the music turns on. Mm-hmm. Where, 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 where did all that go? Yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. But I share all that because I'm curious now. Obviously, it, it's been quite some time since your last experience. I mean, not years, but months. Mm-hmm. Out of all the gifts that you've received, how many have you been able to bring back into? And this is funny for someone like you, or maybe even myself, to say yeah. regular life. Like, what is what is regular life at this point, right? But you you went searching for something. You went to Peru. You've had some other experiences, mm-hmm. right? Twelve in total. But today we're, you know, sound mind and body, sitting across from each other in Columbus, Ohio. What what are the takeaways that you've applied to your life from these experiences?
1: Right. Um, I think besides the. The realization of being able to sit through pain and and negative times and depression and stuff, and to know that it's all gonna pass by, and to realize it's part of the process. Um, I'd say the biggest thing would be empathy towards other people, to realize why everything the way it is. Why um, you know a lot of these speakers and people that talk about uh, gratitude and helping other people and and how it comes back to you how it's all interconnected just because sitting there and being in that experience and knowing that when when a lot of this stuff was coming up um especially one time with the guy next to me i remember he was going through one of his experiences i forget which day this was but I could hear him laugh. Like I started having a sense of something. You get these bursts of laughter to come up for now. Yeah, especially through the realizations. like, how oh, the fuck did I not know that? Like mm-hmm. that's so obvious. Like you get these. But I had one of those. And as I was laughing, he starts laughing next to me. And most of the time he did a lot of crying. He had some issues he was going through. But I remember when he was crying. And now that I know, you know. Everything's distorted like we talked about, you know, but how much of it is the veil coming up? When I heard him crying, it started to come in at a certain point where I could. It was like he was closer to me and he was only a few feet away from me to my right. But then it was closer and closer. And it was the semblance of the last time, like when he was. At one of the points when he was crying, it was so close inside my ear that I had to stop and double check whether it was me crying or him. And I don't even know how else to describe that really. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But through that and sitting in there and I knew that I didn't have, I knew there was this like, in other uh, parts of that, might have been the same day where I sat there and I could feel like there was some healing going on. And I had good experiences. You know, I didn't have or I didn't feel like I had a lot of negative stuff, but I had this semblance that some of this negative energy or thoughts or emotions that was coming up through me that I was just like, where did this come from? I started to realize that it was from the group, that it was definitely something collective as opposed to just me. There was even a point where I sat in with the group where they said, um, you can kind of feed off and you you can sit with the group. Um, um, I think they were filming for part of the documentary. Or, or I may have taken a break. Regardless of what it was, I sat in the Maloka and I didn't drink and everyone else did. So I had no substance in me whatsoever. And I had a significant experience with nothing in my body. So how you want to describe that is... Like, I don't even, I mean, nothing in my body. And I started to have the experience of, it was mild, Mm -hmm. but it was significant enough to know, you know what I mean? It's there. Yeah. I'm having this experience. So, but yeah, I guess to answer your question, it's empathy for people to know that whoever I'm helping when I'm, you know, talking to people or sharing information, it's like, Helping, my, I look at them as myself now. I really do. And I, I always heard the, you know, people saying we're all one and, you know, and it sounds cliche and kind of what's the word for that when it's very, I don't know if you've used it before, just kind of out there type, yeah. you know, to where there's no science behind it. But now the way I look at it is that we're all, like, we are so connected to the certain energy source, whether you refer to it as God and everybody has their own, you know, opinions on it, that I feel in my mind that we're all God with kind of a multiple personality disorder. Like, it's all just God having this experience with form Mm -hmm. and going through. Because so many things are connected that that start to happen when you like you said slow down and your awareness opens up the things with manifesting it's not just magic it's just you start to be open to different possibilities and i've had my experiences with that that were so spot on that i couldn't i couldn't write them off as anything else
0: well yeah i mean literally i think that's the perfect segue into our conversation right Mm we It's been a handful of weeks since we spoke, right? We're supposed to get together for something. It didn't work out the right way. Some left and right curveballs. That doesn't really much matter. Mm -hmm. Then Lindsay and I record our episode about, you know, heading down to Rhythmia. Right. You find that, or it comes across on social media in some platform or another maybe podcasts. Also. I had
1: seen it. I was watching it on on like I was going through my Amazon. I don't watch a lot of TV anymore, but every now and then, you know, I was at the restaurant. I was beat. I was like, i watched something. Nothing was loading. And I was like, you know what? I kept coming across this, this one document and I didn't even know it was ayahuasca. I knew it was something out in Peru. And I was like, well, I've been to Peru. Let's watch it. And then it came across and I saw the guy. And then they mentioned Rhythmia. I was like, oh, that's the place that some of these people from the Kyle Cease event were at. And Ryan talked about that. I was like, that's crazy. I was like, man, I'd like to go check that out. Oh, and this is the guy that, you know, um, Jerry, was it? Yeah, Jerry Powell. Yeah, Jerry Powell. Um, Yeah, so, and then I saw that, and then it was the next day, right? Mm -hmm. Me and you had talked, and it's just crazy how it came about. Yeah, and then— I had wanted to have you on the show right? Yeah. For, for quite some
0: time, right? So That's you, what it was. You're right. messing on social media, you're sharing with me that you saw the documentary. That mm-hmm. ends up being not a segue into Rhythmia, right? But Rhythmia plays a role in this with Michelle Rodriguez. I can, yes. never, I can never remember the name of the documentary.
1: That's what I was – it's uh, –
0: The Power of Truth, the
1: something of truth. yeah. Yeah, I kind of want to look it up
0: now. I'm but 100% going to cheat as we're talking and at yeah, my phone. Yeah, go for it. Well,
1: um, but yeah, it was that. And I remember seeing, and I had always wanted to kind of be more open about talking about my experiences, but I was like, I don't know how to go about just kind of, but I felt like people should know if people were curious, not that, hey, everybody should go do ayahuasca. But if people were curious the way I was, and maybe they need a, a sign, like there, there'll there be people that may see this. like, you know what? I had a thought about it and this is my sign. That mm-hmm. I should, that I need this, and I didn't know I was scared or whatever. And that was, you know I mean, that's how it works out. That's how we're all, all this is connected to where these things just run together. It's you start to see that they're not coincidences as much as synchronicities. That I even read up on people with um, schizophrenia, because if you've, I'm super intrigued by them. If you've heard anything about it, I never knew a lot about people with schizophrenia, but they're trying to cure something in them that I believe is almost a superpower for him. -hmm. Now it's hard because they have to integrate it with everyday life, but they see connections in everything. I mean, they can read messages, some of them in license plates and things like that. And in my head, that's just whatever. I mean, to me, this is all one big giant balanced math equation. And that's what karma is. If something happens here, it's got to be balanced over there. It's not like, Oh, I gave a dollar to this homeless man, and God's going to recognize me by giving me a dollar tomorrow. You know what I mean? It's not. It's just a balance. Mm -hmm. It's just how it has. You punch somebody in the face over here, two weeks later, somebody's going to slap you across the face. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just a balance of how things work. So it's not so much good or bad, and it gives me a whole new view on good and bad. It's not like me and Michelle Rodriguez points it out in that, that it's it's, uh, in the documentary. That everyone's got their path, and hers is, you know, the path through love and helping people or, you know, uh, a better path the way we would look at it. But there's other people out there that, you know, maybe murderers or people that kill people that are just, they're going through their experience. Mm-hmm. And it's going to happen. That's why it's hard. It's I don't want to be like super cynical about things that are going on in the world but it's like once we solve one problem another one's going to pop up there's always going to be you know what i mean but i think collectively we can start to be more aware of it and start to but i think a lot of those things have to happen trump has to happen for us to uh i think i brought that up to you before like i feel like he is the catalyst for a global purge that we need to realize there's a, lot, a ton of issues that we need to
0: so the the documentary we, we discussed is the reality of truth that was, okay, yeah. that, that was mm-hmm. the name of the documentary. I want to peel back mm-hmm. before we take a, a, at least a – we're going to put our toe in the conspiracy theory water. Let's right? That's do something it. Something you and I share. But, <laughs> but prior to, there's there's this part with sharing, right? Because you brought it up prior to us hopping on the microphone. Yeah. I think it's incredibly important as you're listening that there's this part of life that both Dan and I agree need shared, right? And it's, it's uncomfortable because – you hop on, we'll say Facebook, right? You go mm-hmm. live in Facebook. You, we probably all have Facebook in one capacity or another, at least know what it is. You go live and you share something that's your version of truth, right? It's an experience you've had. Right. Nobody can take it away from you. It's your perception of what is real and what is what is pure and what is true because it's yours. Mm-hmm. And you share it. And you share it. You don't even know why, right? You feel compelled. There's not. You don't have to be a quote unquote life coach. You don't have to be a guru. You don't have to be anything right Mm -hmm. for all i know you're an accountant or a banker but yet this thing happens you want to hop on you just feel compelled to share it call it intuition call it god call it the collective consciousness somebody's tapping you on the shoulder saying yeah really share that Mm -hmm. what happens for most of us is that fear of rejection and judgment right because we said 60 people are going to talk just more than likely something negative about that experience right maybe they won't say it outwardly to you maybe they'll say it to your buddies maybe who does this guy think he is What, Mm -hmm. what what credentials does he have to share that information that knowledge well on the fact yeah. that he went through it, or she, right? Like,
1: And or, that brings up some of their own fears, too, is, is probably most of the reason they're judging it.
0: A hundred percent. But then you get into the one, two, three, seven people that happen to stumble across it that are afraid for judgment to like it or comment it, but watch the entire thing, like, oh, my God, that completely changed the perspective mm-hmm. of, of what I thought to be possible in my life. And then that creates the spark to get them to make the shift they've been looking for. Right. And it's so impactful that it, it just takes the awareness that, that's possible is really what it comes down mm-hmm. to, right? Because Dan has recently started going live on Facebook a right. little bit more, just Dan Rosu, R-O-S-U. If you want to check him out and see what he's about and support mm-hmm. his state of mind, like that would be fantastic. He's an, an incredible Ohio-based custom, well, not yeah. custom, I mean,
1: local apparel. Ohio-based apparel. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Really, really cool stuff. But you see that he started, he starts sharing more and more videos. And I'd love for you to share at least that little segue right in. We don't have to name names, but someone you had shared that somebody I've was- i got a
1: list of people I wrote down right here. Uh-huh. Like to, <laughs> no,
0: publicly out. Yeah. Of some people that said like, you know, who are you to be, to be a coach and to share this information? And it, that was the catalyst, right? Yeah. That was
1: a spark that you needed to be like, and screw this. I'm, I'm not saying I'm a coach, but I'm going to share. It was almost, yeah, it was almost a combination of it. Cause I had put that one video about fasting, you know, and it was. I have a lot of people from that same retreat that that do Facebook lives and it's whatever. And I was like, oh, well, I don't need to do that. I don't have. Nobody really wants to hear what I have to say. I'm not that important. I'm not going to be a life coach. All these things are going through my head, but also realizing, hey, I have to do things to get out of my comfort zone. Whether or not I'm going to speak or plan on doing my own podcast or be a coach, or, you know, whatever that would lead to. You know, I'll, I'm going to end up talking to people, you know, in business through. Having events and stuff like that, like I have to be a people person and um, same with the bar and I've I kind of it comes a little more natural naturally to me to talk to people in general in public cameras a little different. So, like I said to you earlier, it's I'm not a shy person, but when you turn cameras on, yeah, it's a little different. This is going to be recorded. It's going to be out there forever, you know. Mm-hmm. So and you have that stuff that goes in your head and after a while you get used to it, you know, and it's it becomes natural. But if I'm thinking that way, who would – what would somebody else that wants to share these ideas that doesn't even have more opportunity to be, you know, behind the bar like I was most of my adult life to be used to kind of that being on stage type thing? They're definitely going to be shot down by you. I mean, and I saw somebody post – and it was just a playful message. I don't want to, like – blow it out if the person would see it. It's not like they were like, this is ridiculous, these people posting these, you know. It was just like all these life coaches that are trying to, or people that are trying to be life coaches and they don't have their, their shit together or their own shit together. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I was like, I know quite a few people who uh, are doing things like that that speak on not even being coaching, you know, uh, like my friends in the fitness industry and stuff that do videos and everybody. But I know them personally, and I know they don't have everything together. And why should they? And does it really even matter? As long as you're sharing stuff that you know that could be, even if you're, I don't want to look at it as like you're above somebody that you know more, you know something about this that they don't know. They may know more about sewing machines or or fixing cars than you do. I mean, we all have our little tidbits of information we could share. And nobody's going to know it all. And I think that was the basis for it. Nobody knows everything. And even Kyle uh, talks about in his, um, when he's on stage and when I went up there, it's, it's incredible the energy, but you could tell he's like, I don't know what I'm about to say when I get up here. And he mentions that he learns as he goes when he's up there and he's talking and whatever. And things come up and that's the best way to go about it. And even me trying to come up here and do the podcast with with you, I was thinking, oh, you know, well, what, what do I want to cover? If I talk about, it? you know, and I could have planned it out. And he, and if I wouldn't have heard him say that, I probably would have done that. You know, I had this list of whatever, and had, you know, I mean, like if you do a speech, but it's never going to come out authentic. I mean, if you just are trying to have a list of everything it's just it's like reading a book even Gary Vee I listen to him I love Gary Vee because he's so off the cuff and hey this is what I'm thinking and the way he documents and I I love the idea of that mm-hmm. I got his book and I listened to an audiobook and it kind of sucks because him reading a book is nowhere near as good as the energy he has when these ideas are coming through him and he goes off script a lot in his book but when it happens it's that's the perfect example of it's not me like when we have conversations, like I get into the point where we start talking and I'm like, other realizations. That's why I love talking with you and other people because we're so on the same level on a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that somebody else could be in a room with and I wouldn't know what to say to them. Like it would be nothing, it would just be stagnant. I'm like I don't know what to say to this person, you know? Yeah. But when we get on a roll, it's like this information is literally being downloaded from somewhere else because how else would I say something that comes out of my mind that was like, oh my God, that's really true. I need to write that down. If that was coming from me, I would have already known that. You know what I mean? yep. So I love that aspect of it. And I think the fact that if anybody has anything to share about something, and as soon as I posted that video about it, somebody, uh, a friend of mine, she, she was like, oh my God, this is exactly what I needed to hear today. She was in a class for, I forget what they what they do but she shared it with her class of, of um or her group of friends that were in some class I, but regardless it had an impact on her and the fact that she could have passed it on to somebody else and you know what I mean and mm-hmm. and even if I'm not somebody who's going to become like the you know a speaker or try and tell people what's a it's just something that I shared and I'm going to go on doing my apparel business and do what I do or work in that you know what I mean but I could have sparked something in somebody else that needed to hear that. But if I had held back and they didn't get that tidbit of information, they wouldn't have never gone out on their own to do that. And they couldn't have a- impacted these three people. And one of those people, you know, could be a Jim Rohn or a Tony Robbins that just needed one person to, to have that spark. Same way that I don't look at, you know, death of friends or things like that as a positive thing like, you know, thank God. that You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But... If if they hadn't you know passed away at that point it was it would be like them dying in vain if if nobody took it for an appreciation of life or appreciation of hey you know what I need to live my life better I need to do this in in appreciation of them that that I know they you know maybe they took the wrong path or maybe they, this happened and you know in my mind. This is all going on constantly anyway, so it's never really – and that's a whole other conversation in its own. But the fact that I could use use that as motivation for myself and move on to do better things in my life, I mean, I think we should all leave, live like that, you know? I could not agree more, and I want to actually put a pause
0: on our time for right now and have okay. you back for 2.0, all right. all right. Dan version 2, based off of – the conspiracy stuff and some of just the way that we live life and the way that we think, right? we set the backstory now. I think it'll be impactful to have the current story, what's possible going forward. Yeah. But as we share what's going forward, Dan, where can people find you, right? Your apparel company, what's the domain? How do things look
1: that oh, way? Oh, it is com, and it's M-I-N-E, uh, not D. Little play on words there. And then I'm on Instagram, stateofmineapparel. And Facebook, same extension, State of Mine Apparel. Um, just available online now. I don't have a, a store, but I'm uh, in a lot of festivals, getting ready for festival season. Uh, you can see me at ComFest. I'll be at Pride Fest. I'll be at uh, um, most of the main um, local ones in Columbus, some in Cleveland. And uh, that's something I've been enjoying, too. And that's, that's a whole um, different outlook of, of me. All this stuff happening has moved I moved my excitement forward to where I know it used to be in bars and bartending and something I was good at. But you can tell when things are stagnant. and You want to move on, and and I wanted to try something new. I wanted to explore my creativity, and and now I'm excited. I love meeting people. I love people loving my stuff, and mm-hmm. and hey, I love that shirt. And I just saw somebody wearing it the other day, one of my shirts on a Sunday. I was like, you know what? He took that shirt out of his closet of all the shirts he could have worn and wore it for his Sunday fun day shirt. You know what I mean. And that's a good feeling to me, and the connections I can make with people, you know what I mean, And uh, in the local business community, and now I'm in DRAC and a part of them, and it's just, it's great. It's been awesome.
0: Well, Dan, I appreciate you coming in today, my friend. Look forward to version 2.0. Thanks again, my man. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Absolutely.